Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. say thank you for my my card and my my flowers this morning and I want to say happy mother's day again to all the all the mothers here and you know that's what we have to remember is that we're a child first God's child first before we're a mother amen so when they, the days when they're little you know it's like I remember those days cuz I, I keep grandkids now sometimes so you know I'm older now than I was then and uh so I have to stay focused more now but but I remember when my kids were little and, you know, you just go to the bathroom just to get time to yourself, you know, and they'd be sticking their fingers. We lived in the trailer, so, you know, there's space like that. They stick your fingers under the door, mama, mama, mama. But, you know, I always tell my kids, too, every five years, there's a change, if you think about it, you know, from in raising kids or, or whatever you're doing. It seems like every five years is a milestone. So, you know, I remember those busy, busy days. I had a busy morning this morning, and I standing in praise and worship. I checked my tag, make sure I didn't have my clothes on backwards. You know, <laughs> it's like some of those days. You remember those days, moms, and still have them. But you make sure you got your shirt on the right way and not wrong side out. So, amen. So, I just encourage you, moms, to to have a great day today. And if your mom's still here, kids, you know, honor your mother today and and bless her, yes. amen, because she's important, amen. Good morning. And I'll add my happy Mother's Day to that. You know, uh, here's something we all have in common. Either you are a mother, or you have a mother, had a mother. Anyone who is in the earth didn't have a mother. Oh, that's all of you, right? right. Well, happy Mother's Day. And it's a very special day, because mothers are very special. You know, sometimes I think mothers are the closest thing that we can probably relate to the father's love but it's not the exact it's kind of it's kind of say the mother's love and the father's love is the same because god is just and some things he'll sort out at the end but if you mess with the mama's baby she'll kill you right now (laughs) so you can't really tie that to the father's love (laughs) right i mean even in the animal world you you mess with a the baby bear mama's coming for you she's not gonna forgive you Huh? She's going to kill you, eat you, then she'll forget you. So, but I'll tell you, the mother's love is probably, like, like I said, the closest thing that we can see to, to the father's love because the mother is love herself and she is a nurturer by nature. God put that in her. So she's grace to be that. And she certainly can't live a very selfish life. So she's, she's a giver in every sense of the word, ever sense of the word. Get a little ahead of myself, but I think the thing is that, you know, there's a saying that says, you might heard it says, you can give without loving, but you can't really love without giving. People will give for all kinds of motives, and it's not for me to judge their motives. We're We're not asked or allowed to do that. No one knows people's hearts but the Father. But sometimes motives aren't what they probably should be, and so people, for different reasons, give different things for different reasons, for different motives. 
But you can't truly love and not give. Once again, you could give of anything. But that doesn't mean it's because of or motivated by, by love, does it? Um, I want to read something to you because we're talking about just a moment. I'm not really preaching a Mother's Day sermon. But I do want to talk about honor just a moment because, you know, actually the fifth commandment that was given from Moses, although we're not under that law, was to honor your father and your mother. And that came with a promise of long life. There's a lot of discrepancy when people teach about, you hear this a lot, you say, well, when your time's come, there's nothing you can do about it. You ever heard, that? You've ever heard someone say when, when it's your time to go? It's your time to go. Nothing can be done about it. You really don't have scripture for that. You have experience, but you have no scripture for it. You have scripture that tells you there's things that we do or don't do, can do, or may not do that cause us to live longer or shorter lives. Hmm? Apart from experiences. Matter of fact, that particular scripture, honor your father and mother. It'll go well with you and you'll live long on the earth. The reciprocal of that is don't honor your parents. It seems like the reciprocal would be that you might have a short life. Hmm. Psalm 91 said the Father will satisfy you with life until you're satisfied. So if you're not satisfied, live on. And if you're going to live on, you need to have an assignment. So honor is tied to a lot of this. Uh, honor has to do something with value in something. So when we say we honor our parents or we honor our mothers today... That means honor has to do with valuing something so much that you treat it with great respect. The longer you live in life, the older that you get, the more that you'll come to understand and respect your parents. doesn't mean the scripture didn't say honor your parents if they did everything right because they didn't. And even if you don't agree with some of their choices, perhaps what they did it was motivated by love. There was many times I asked my mother, can I go do this because my friends were, she says, you can't. So I presented it again. No one here ever did that. And then she said, no, then I presented it again. <clears throat> then she showed me how that worked, and then I never asked her hardly again about two times because two times get you in trouble. And she said, uh, she said uh, the answer is no, whether you ask me two times or ten times. Well, I didn't agree with her. I always kid about the time. It wasn't too funny then. But whatever I done, I could imagine what I did. But she grounded me for a half a year, and this will make me real ancient. I missed a concert. Uh, who was that that came to town to Birmingham? Oh, it's uh, Elvis Presley. No, I'm not 100. And uh, but anyway, I said, "Could you let me off this weekend?" Then you. Pick up the next week, and you can add time. You, you know, you can put time to it. And she, she, she wouldn't budge on that. She said, "You can sing when he get when he comes back." Well, he never come back. The king left. Amen. <laughs> so I'm sure she was right, <laughs> but it didn't feel like it that day. <laughs> but I knew one thing: my mother kept her word. Amen. Amen. So the the longer you go in life, the more you see life. Maybe the more that you'll agree. Amen. And so we want to, uh, <clears throat> to honor our mothers here today and honor the ones who've, who've gone on to be with the Lord, honor their memory. So once again, honor has to do with value in something so much that you treat it with great respect. 
your honor for a thing is seen in how you treat that thing. I always thought it'd be cool, you know, if you ever, the bank, you ever see in there where they got those machines and they got it with hundreds or twenties or fifties and then they got a little button that go like this and they can just, it'll just keep on the machine, keep going out until it's full. Y'all ever seen that? Uh, I always thought it'd be cool to have one. Stocked. And someone would come back, restock it, and you say, I need to go to the mall. You hit that machine, you know, 50s, 100s, 20s, whatever it is. Uh, how many like to have one of those stocked? How many of you like to raise your hand no matter what I ask you? I see those hands. Thank you very much. So here's the deal. What would you do with that machine? Would you keep it in a safe place? If it needed to be oiled, would you oil it? Would you leave it out in the yard and let, let rain, and would you let it get rusted? No, you take care of that. Why? Because you want it to take care of you, right? So we honor a thing. We know if we honor it by how we treat it. If something's valuable, valuable to you, you treat it differently with a greater level of honor and respect. In the, uh, in the Greek and in the Hebrew, the word honor is close, but it's different. In the, um, <clears throat> in the Hebrew, it says to honor someone, somebody as sacred or special to value of a great price, Precious to esteem, to hold especially dear, and that means to reverence. In the, in the Greek, it means the word honor is the word kabod, K-A-B-O-D. It means weight. It means heaviness. This same word is the same word for the word glory, where the glory of God is present. That means when God's glory is present, that means the room can get real weighty. His presence can become very weighty. But to honor means to weight. It means heaviness. It means great abundance. It means to be, to be heavy, to be weighty, to be rich, and to be glorious. It said in those days when you went to buy something that had scales <clears throat> and how much something cost, you determined it by weight. If something is really expensive, you had to pile a lot of precious metal on the scale to buy it. The more valuable it was, the heavier the price. To honor has to do with something that's heavy or weighty or by implication something that is precious or valuable. The opposite of honor is the opposite of honoring mothers. The opposite of honoring others, people, is to despise. It means you do not highly esteem. It means you esteem something or someone lightly. You treat them as someone who's not that important. It means you care little for them. You regard that person lightly. You make them of a small account. You fail to acknowledge the importance of and to see a thing as worthless. You tend not to value something. The truth is how we honor one another and love one another is the correlation of how we love God. Did you know that? Some said, well, no, that's not true. That's exactly true. That's what the scripture says. So you can give without loving once again, but you can't love without giving. The apostle John said it this way. He made it even closer. He said, he said, true love is evident True love is evident, not just the desire to give, but the action of giving. The action of giving. That's 1 John 3, 18. 
He says, Dear children, let us not love in words or in speech, but let us love with actions and in truth. This is seen in God's love for us. You know, the Bible says that, and it is right to love one another. But the Bible says, here's how we know the love of God. Most of the time, religious thinking says, how do we know that you love God? And someone would say, well, I do this, and I do this, and I do that. Sometimes when I minister to someone, I say minister, just have a conversation with someone, if it works out to where I can ask them about eternity, which is important, right? You do know you'll spend the eternity somewhere. If you're here today and you're 23, you may feel like you got a thousand years ahead of you. I can promise you, you don't. You just don't ever know how close it is. It was less than a month after the last Mother's Day, my mother went home. But she told me she was going. And she said, but you better not do nothing to stop me either. I don't want to artificial anything. She said, I'm ready to go. So it was Mother's Day. We spent time together. And then she, uh, she took off. Less than four weeks. So life can be very fast and very fleeting. But the question is, how do you know that you love God? And I asked some people sometime, I said, if, if, if today were the last day of your life, because you, you have no idea. Sometimes you think, well, I'll just live life, and at the last moment, I'll get it together and go into heaven. Well, the Scripture says you have to be drawn by God. Oh, you don't do the drawing. Hmm. Also, you know, anybody ever been in an automobile accident? Boy, I have. They happen so fast, you don't really have time to make speeches. It just happens so fast. Life can be gone so fast. So I ask people sometimes, if today... For whatever reason, God forbid that it would be, it would be your last day on earth. Do you know where you would spend eternity? And most of the time, I'd say 80% of the time, or maybe more, they would say, well, I think I'd go to heaven. i say, well, that's great. Can I ask you why you said that? And 98% of the time, they all give me some varied form of this. Of their, this is their reasoning of why they go to heaven. I'm a pretty good person. One told me, he said, well, of course I go. I'm an American. And I said, come back. He said, I'm an American. I said, man, you lost me. He said, man, this is a Christian nation. I can show you that some aren't who are Americans. One guy told me, he said, well, sure I go. He said, I gave, the, I gave blood just last week to, to Red Cross. All the answers came out of what I've done that I do good stuff. That's the quickest way to get to hell that I know of. Now, is it good to do good things? Absolutely. But no one will ever see heaven because they do good. But we, we live in our earth, we live in a world that, that's based on merit. If you went work this week somewhere and you gave them 20, 30, 40, 50 hours, then either weekly or bi-monthly or monthly or however you get paid, <clears throat> you swap your time and your talent for dollars. Is that right? Yeah. Now, did, when they gave you your check, did they say, we're, we're blessing you with this? No, it's not a blessing, is it? In the sense of they didn't give it to you, you earned it, right? So most things in life, we do it on a basis of merit. We, we, we understand very little about the grace of God, which is the unmerited favor of God that we receive from him based on nothing that we did right. 
So life works in the sense of what's all wrong and that we try to make things right. And we think God deals with us based on our performance. And absolutely, he doesn't deal with you at all in your performance. And that's called the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's called good news. So, the, so our mothers, we do honor them. We do hold them in high esteem. And I do think that their love is the closest to the Father's love that, that probably we can know. I want to read to you. Now. I'm going to do just a few minutes. I told some of them this, I'm working on doing a miracle today. I mean, I never saw a miracle. Same people who won't raise the hell out. This is yes. This is no. Right? How many like to see a miracle? Because it's Mother's Day, I'm going to endeavor to be through in 18 minutes. That, for me, would be a miracle. 11.30, whatever. That would be a miracle. I'm trying to put you on even level ground with the Baptist today. Or as Pastor Buzzy would who's in heaven now would say the Presbyterians. I said, the who? He said, I said, I think it's Presbyterian. He said, not where I'm from. I said, okay, Presbyterians. <clears throat> so, no church member that I ever met was ever mad because they got out early. So, I'll try not to make you mad. But I'm going to read something from the message translation. It's one of the more modern translations. It gives us chapters, but it doesn't give us verses. But I think I'm starting in verse 6. But you can just listen because the message is a lot says it a lot differently because we're talking about the love of God. The love of God in honoring. You know, you know, God so loved the world that he did what? Amen. See, we all know that. God so loved that he gave. He loved and he, his action was he gave. You can't truly love and not give. You could give, but there not be love attached to it. How do we know? Action is the proof. Mother's Day is a time that we celebrate our mothers, right? It really should be Mother's Day every day. Hmm. One of years ago, one of the kids said, Mama, how much do you think I owe you? I said, don't ask her that. You couldn't pay it if she told you. If she invoiced you and we put it in installments, she wouldn't live long enough and she wouldn't either ever pay her back. But that's okay because her mother did that for her also. Amen. So here we go with uh, Colossians chapter 2. Just listen. Paul says, my counsel for you is simple. It's straightforward. He said, just go ahead with what you've been given. He said, you received Christ Jesus, the master. You received him. Now live for him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. Let your living spill over into Thanksgiving. Watch out for people who try to douse you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas like the empty tradition of human beings and empty superstitions of super beings. But that's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in Him so that you can see and hear Him clearly. You don't need a telescope, microscope, or horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ. In the emptiness of the universe without him, when you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. Entering into this fullness is not something that you figure out or achieve. It's not a matter of being circumcised or keeping a long list of laws. No, you're already in. You're insiders. Mm. Not through some secretive 
initiation rite, but through rather what Christ has already gone through for you, destroying the power of sin. If it's an intimation ritual, you're after you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was the bearer of your old life. Coming out of it was the resurrection. God raised you from the dead as he did Christ when you were stuck in your old sin dead life. You were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. All sins forgiven. The slate is wiped clean. The old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped you of all spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and he marched them naked through the streets. God, through Jesus Christ, took what was against you, King James says, contrary to you, and he nailed what was contrary to you to the cross. Now, do you know what was contrary to you? That Jesus had nailed to the cross so you could go away and not be guilty? Can I, can I tell you what it is? It's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments was given to make you guilty, not to make you holy. It was to expose to you your inability to keep those ten. You know anybody who's ever kept all ten at all times? So <clears throat> he gave us a shortcut to the ten. Jesus came and fulfilled all the law, and he gave a shortcut. He says, love one another the way that I loved you at the cross. And he kept all ten for you. He died as a sinner who never sinned. And you, and you, when you die, someone who has sinned will not be guilty of your sin because he took all the price of your sin from your past, your present, and even into your future. He's paid for all your sin. <clears throat> now, the last part is what makes religious people mad. When I, when I say from the Bible that God has already paid for your future sin, it makes people mad. I call it really good news. Hmm? That's what you hope in your house insurance does. Your house insurance, you don't need to do what it can do last month, but you need to know what it can do in the future. Is that right? When God bought you, he bought all of you. He bought your whole life and all of its time, and he made you right with God. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've asked him into your heart, that's called faith in Christ. That's called belief in a faith in Christ. And Jesus said, if you receive me, he said, my father receives you. When you receive Jesus, you become, the scripture says, right with God, or you are called through your righteous believing, you are now called the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In your spirit, the real you that one day will go to heaven and leave this body, when you receive Christ, your body is separate from your soul and from your spirit. But your spirit, the moment you believe, became encased, Ephesians says, sealed off so that sin would never touch your spirit. Your spirit being who has received Christ, who has all of God in it, is sealed and never can be touched by sin.
In your spirit, you are as righteous as Jesus Christ, the Messiah. When you get to heaven, you will not be touched with a righteous one to bring you up to grade. So I am talking to the righteousness of the most righteous of the people in all the earth because you have been Jesusized. You ever heard people being demonized? Well, you've just been Jesusized. And there's no growl to it. We don't have to foam with the mouth unless it's just a little bit of ice cream coming out, some whipped cream right there. Hallelujah. So, in my last 10 minutes, how many believers we got here? Okay. God's grace reveals to us that we are loved. I'm going to read this since I got 10 minutes. I can go fast before I read. God's grace reveals to us we are loved and we are valued and we are accepted by Him. I asked someone one time, I said, do you, do you believe that God accepts you and, and uh, is pleased with you? He said, well, I, I believe he's pleased with me sometimes. And I said, in other times, he said, he's not so pleased. I said, when do you think he's pleased with you? He said, when I do better, when I act better. See, all that's based on what? Performance. Well, we, we understand raising kids and mothers understand. She's more she's pleased if if you act like you got some sense. Right? I mean, you mothers ever been with your children around public and then they said something and uh, it was too late to stop it? I mean there it was. And they all look at you and you all I don't know, I don't know who that is. When I was a kid, my mother took me to the country kitchen in Clanton. I just a small kid. I didn't know. We all ate, and I got to notice that she was paying going out. I got to looking around, and there was money all over the tables. So I didn't know. I just went in there and started picking up. I mean, it was tips. I didn't know, but I was picking up all these ones and fives and whatever all over the place. And I got back to the car, and I got about halfway home, and I said, it was Sunday. I said, God blessed me today, Mama. She said, did. And I went like this. I took out all this money. She said, where did you get that? I said, country kitchen. She said, where? I said, off all them tables. <laughs> My joy was short-lived. As we made a U-turn. And I got to go back in there and, and apologize to every waitress. In the restaurant and all that. And I, who knows, I've got a grand up for 10 years. I don't know. But anyway, but the truth is that God loves you all the time. When you're right or when you're wrong. So even when the kids aren't doing, they're not on their best, does it change your love for them? No. And since I told you, since you received Christ, you became righteous. Then what did you do to become righteous? You believed on Christ. He says that's the way to righteousness is your faith in me causes you to be imputed, counted as his righteous one. So what did you do to achieve righteousness? You believed, but you did nothing. So if you did nothing and became righteous, then how do you lose righteousness by making a mistake if you did nothing to get it? See, that's where the enemy is called the accuser of the brother. He comes and accuses you of your mistakes and your sins. He says, and you think you're a Christian? You think you're righteous? Look what you did. Look what you didn't do. What's he pointing you to? The law of Moses. 
which Hebrews said has come to an end and is nullified. Now that makes Christians mad when I tell them the Ten Commandments is nullified. Here's the deal. The Ten Commandments was given to Jews. Anybody here Jew? It never was yours to lose. But Christ fulfilled it all in love. So if you just live with the law of love, you have fulfilled all the laws. Huh? All the laws are fulfilled in love, what the scripture says. So if you live by the love of God, by the Holy Spirit in you, you don't need laws, do you? Do I need to tell you, look, when we leave here, when you get to the interstate, if you're going that way, please don't knock off the Texaco station. Please don't hold jacks up. Now, I won't ever do that. Because if I go to jail, it won't be for chicken. <laughs> or the Texaco station. If I'm going to go, it's going to be for something huge. They're going to know why I'm in there. So, <clears throat> even when he corrects us, when the Father corrects us and rebukes us, it's not with a withdrawal of love or acceptance, but rather a proof of his love for us. Grace, God's unmerited favor, delivers you from self-effort. Grace is not about what you do for God, but what God has, done, has already passed done for you. Unmerited, unearned favor. Grace turns disappointment into a divine appointment. Grace will turn your failure into a success. Grace evaporates Satan's accusations and nullifies guilt and condemnation. Grace will enable you to tap into the realms of unlimited supernatural resources. God's unmerited favor called grace will shower, shower you with blessing upon blessing. To live in the grace realm is to be rooted in Christ. Grace, however, is not your license to sin. He said, well, you're just going to give people a license to sin. They're doing it, and I didn't even give them a permit. Right? So it's not your license to sin and to, uh, and to live a disobedient life. Jude 4 says this, For certain men have secretly slipped in, in among you who, who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality. Some people in Paul's day treated it as such. Today, there are believers who do the exact same thing. They said God's grace will supply you with a supernatural endowment. That's true. Allowing you to live a transcendent love. It will distinguish you from the lost. It's what holds marriages together. It's what the grace of God is what enables you to live a holy life. It's what we call intimacy with the Father. Grace carries with it the revelation that we are accepted by God, regardless of your performance. Grace is stronger than sin. Where sin abounds, the Bible says grace much more abounds. What can wash away? What's the song, old song say? What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the, nothing, nothing but the blood. And he already gave his blood. Amen? He accepts you irrespective of your shortcomings and your failures in life. Paul lays a foundation that you are valuable in closing. 
irrespective of your performance. Then later in his work, in the, the letter that Paul wrote, he says, because you are accepted and because you are valuable, irrespective of performance, which is God's unmerited favor, he says, now you can throw off sin. Now you've been empowered to throw sin off. You no longer have a sin nature. You have a righteous nature. Now you can say no to the devil. Many translations says he is no longer your master. You have become the master of Satan. Did you, did you get that? You are no longer his subject. You are no longer his slave. You are now the master of Satan. The Bible says he is under your foot. We give the orders. There is a new sheriff in town. Hallelujah. In my two-minute closing, once again, I want you to understand that we have value in God irrespective of what we are doing for God. Example, if you never read your Bible again, and you should, but if you never witness again, and you should. If you never pray again, and you should. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be shitting on you. God would love you exactly the same as if you did everything perfect. It would, be, it would help you immensely to do these things. But you wouldn't gain God's love or acceptance. See, the deal is, he's going to get all the glory because of what he did. It's not what Jesus did, and then you add anything to it that makes you right with God. By one man's obedience, not yours and his together, you became righteous. It's not all of Jesus and some of you, and that maybe together that'd be enough. No, apart, he's righteous and he's holy. Wind it down in my last minute. I'm through. Hallelujah. God is good. Happy Mother's Day. I bless you, mothers. We pray for you. We thank God for your loving, tender care. You are patient. Don't say you're not patient. That is a misquote of the scripture. The fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruit of the Spirit is patience. You can't tell me that you're not born again. If you're born again, you can't tell me you're not patient. You just have to give place to it. Right? And... When you're a mother, you have much opportunity to do that. <laughs> yeah, Michelle was talking about we was in that 14 by 70 mobile home, and I don't know why the doors are like this far off the floor, but they could almost get that little pumpkin head to the, well, 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 why, why is she doing it there? <laughs> Trying to get away from you <laughs> so I can love you more when I come out. <laughs> I came home, I put all three of them in a bathtub and said, rub-a-dub-dub, scrub your dirty head and something like that. Anyway, just... But children are the heritage of the Lord. And when they grow up, you can get some grass cutters. And, Whoa! And they're going to leave too. <laughs> so get all you can while you can get it. And, uh, but without the mother's hand, without her strength and her tenderness, you know, every boy, he may not want to admit this, but when times gets tough, something's heavy on his thinking or his heart, he really wants to go talk to mama. We thank God for daddy, but we're really looking for mama, right? 
Uh, my, the last thing, one of the last things my mother told me, she says, I don't want you to mourn for me. And, uh, and I said, well, you're, you're not going anywhere. She said, but I am going over, but I don't want you mourning for me. She said, there's too much to do, too little time, and you know too much truth to be sitting around depressed. So uh, might as well have a party because we've got eternity to look forward to. Amen? I bless you in Jesus' name. Have a happy Mother's Day.